This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we started doing virtual visits. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. Welcome to the Rotowire Audio Fantasy Football Draft Kit. I'm Rotowire President Peter Shanky, along with Managing Editor Chris Liss. Uh, this is July 26, 2016. Uh, this is basically an audio compliment to the cheat sheets available at rotowire.com. You can get a free trial at rotowire.com slash Twitter. But before we dive into the season and get you ready for your drafts, we got to uh, just give a message to our sponsor who makes this podcast available, and that's uh, FanDuel.com. Go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner. Use our code uh, RWPOD and sign up now. Special offer for new users. Get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with a $25 deposit. You must sign up with our uh, passcode RWPOD. That's over uh, $60 in value for just $25. Don't forget to use our code RWPOD, FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's FanDuel.com. Sign up today. The list 2016 is here. We've done a couple of drafts. We did the uh, Stopa $11,000, 11K as he called it, in Vegas. We did our annual uh, Vegas Staff League draft uh, that was uh, right around the All-Star break, so well before training camp started. Um, let's just start off the bat. As you tackle 2016, having done the rankings, all that kind of stuff, What's your general takeaway? What's your general strategy? Well, I mean, it's kind of cliche at this point, but I'm sort of zero running back, and that's a little late to the party. I've done it for a couple of years. Uh, I didn't originate it. I didn't invent it. I probably resisted it more than I should have. And even though a lot of people are doing it and receivers are being pushed up, I still think structurally it's the right way to draft. I don't think they're pushing down running backs enough that the tide will turn. And part of the problem is the running backs themselves and the way the teams use them. I mean, there's no amount of structural drafting that it benefits you to take running backs early because if, besides Todd Gurley, who's on a bad team and may not catch that many passes, I really can't think of a running back that doesn't have some fleas. Yeah, I mean, I generally agree, but I think it's funny because I think like three or four years ago, I was always the wide receiver guy early, and you were kind of the running back. And I think it's almost like flip now. I think that it's almost like the contrarian play, at least in the first round, is I think to take the running backs because I've been in a couple of M, you know MFL tens now with you and some others, and that format's a little bit different. It's you know it's it's a draft. You only draft. It's best ball. You don't have to worry about reserves. So it's a little bit you know it's a little bit different. But I still think in some of those, I've been able to get, you know, Freeman, Peterson and Green, you know, all or not Green and, uh, and, and, and the Packers running back all in the first round. Right. And all in the first three picks while everybody else goes crazy wide receivers. And I just think that, you know, sorry, Eddie Lacy. And I just think that that is just tremendous value. And at some point, you know, if everybody's going wide receiver, those top top running backs, I'm talking top five. Um, you know, because I think clearly you can make a case for Peterson and Freeman to be top five running backs. Um, 
you know, they're just they're just going after like five, 10, 15 receivers. And I think historically, you know, those running backs, they do pan out at the top of the, you know, in the top of the first round. Yeah, one correction. I was not the running back guy. I definitely was sort of mixing and matching based on value the last few years. And it took me a while to just say, pretty much I'm all in on the receivers if I can help it. Now, you never want to be absolute about stuff. So, you know, if the receiver value were terrible or there was some great running back value that fell, um, you could do that. And MFLs are a little different, and we can get to that in a second. But I'll just give you an example on the $25 MM MFL that you and I are doing. Um, I had the eighth pick, and basically the big, the top six receivers were gone. And by the top six, I mean the big three, plus A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins, and Allen Robinson. And then Gurley was gone, and I had the eighth pick, and I did not want to take a running back there. Um, in a PP, it's a full PPR, three receivers and a flex. And so I took my top receiver left, which was Brandon Cooks. And it seems crazy to take Cooks at eight, but who else am I going to take? I mean, I, I just did not see a running back. I would have taken Gurley there had he been there, but I'm not taking David Johnson there. I don't know if they're going to commit to him as a 250-carry, 50-catch guy. I don't know, you know, I don't know if Peterson's going to catch more than 32 balls this year. It's full PPR, and you need three receivers and a flex. Le'Veon Bell suspended for four games. You know, maybe he's, he'll beat the rap. I don't know, but I'm not doing it. Ezekiel Elliott has been charged with domestic violence. Or I don't know if he's actually been officially charged, but there's, he's been investigated for it. So we don't know what's going to happen with that. There's really no running back that I want to take at eight overall. So I am pushing up Cooks extremely, who I think will break out this year. He broke out last year, but I think he'll actually have, you know, a top ten receiving season this year. But because I just don't know, I don't, I don't trust any of the backs and anything remotely close to their ADPs right now. Yeah, Elliot was just accused of it, so we don't want to we don't want to slander him, I guess. But right. uh, obviously, anything that pops up like that, you know, is is uh, scary for fantasy fantasy owners. Um, yeah, I, I get. I mean, look, I generally agree with you. I mean, the math that I did over the years, and I you know, I wrote the cover story for the magazine that was what eight years ago now that said taking a wide receiver early isn't crazy because the wide receivers early on retain their value. Uh, and then they fall off tremendously when you get those middle round values and you can't start them week to week because you can, it's so hard to pick the weeks right. that they're going to go off. Right. So you leave a ton of points on your bench, whereas the running backs, you know, they're binary. You take all these middle to late round running backs and either they have value because they're starting because their people ahead of them are hurt or they move up the depth chart or they're not starting and then it's easy to leave them on your bench. And if you just can find a, one or two that pop and you have some good wide receivers, you've got a great team. But at some point, I just feel like, you know, it, it just might shift too far where the guys who are the top elite running backs, you know, fall behind sort of the the second tier of wide receivers. And then it becomes then it becomes tougher. I feel like the I feel like the market's properly pricing wide receivers and properly pricing middle tier running backs, but maybe not pricing the, you know, the top five or so running backs. And, and, and so that's where the opportunity is. But it's tough. I think that this year, it, you know, as you go into drafts, um, I think it was, this, people are kind of getting hip to the strategy and the, and the trend of the NFL. And so it, it definitely makes it a, a lot tougher than other years where um, if you were a wide receiver, I think you had an advantage. Yeah. One thing about the NFLs is that whole problem with wide receivers figuring out which ones to start, which weeks in the middle rounds uh, goes away. So in the MFLs, you can make a much better case to say, I'll take running backs early and I'll have a whole bunch of decent receivers and the whole headache of figuring out when Deshaun Jackson is going to get his 80-yard touchdown, that just goes away. So that's, that's actually in MFL as a case to, uh, to actually wait on receivers. But in a non-MFL, and the MFL is a, a growing segment of our 
industry, but it's still very small in the scheme of things. Most people are playing regular fantasy football where you have to make moves and actually set your lineup. Um, I still think that's a big problem. So you have that problem. And the other problem is, you know, you look at the historical studies you did on how the elite running backs do, and they always score the most points, but they're just disappearing. I mean, there is nobody who's LaDainian Tomlinson or Sean Alexander or Priest Holmes at his peak, okay? There's hardly anybody who's DeMarco Murray. There may be nobody who's even DeMarco Murray from two years ago. That may not exist. There may not be a single back that gets 300 carries this year. So you're talking about a whole different landscape. That's the problem. It's not so much that, you know, okay, we figured out receivers, especially in the three and flex PPR format, score more points than the running backs. It's that the running backs aren't what they used to be in terms of what they do anymore. There's, there's a couple running backs per team on most teams. They have different roles, and they're split. And not only does that make there's more that the, that the floor is a lot higher now for, like, when you draft running backs in the fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth rounds, you can get – you know, guys like um, Charles Sims, who who gets you 10 points a game in uh, PPR leagues. So so instead of being totally screwed at running back like you used to be if you didn't get a starter, you're not screwed. You're going to get something out of them every week. So, that, so the replacement value is higher. And then the top end is lower. So it's really crunched uh, the, the value above replacement of the running backs down. And so it's not just the durability, not just the reliability of using those every week receivers. It's also that the running backs – don't exist in the form they did seven, eight years ago. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, and the, you know, every down carrier, the guy who's even going to get two, you know, two to three downs, two and a half, like a Peterson, you know, you can count them on one hand, right? I mean, you know, there's, there's not that many guys. I mean, Gurley, who's going to be the every down running back this year? Gurley, maybe Peterson, although some third downs will be out. And maybe Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. That's it, yeah. right? Bell I mean, maybe. Healthy. Bell, Bell. I mean, not when he's healthy, when he's back. <laughs> yeah. Devonta Freeman, there's been talk that Tevin Coleman's going to get work. I'm not too worried about it. Lamar Miller could be. He's never really carried a huge load before, but he could be. But, you know, maybe Eddie Lacy will be. But, there, you know, then some of the guys have other issues like Eddie Lacy had a terrible year last year. Mike McCarthy doesn't trust him. So if he fumbles once, if he misses a block, if he does something wrong, I mean, how confident are you that Mike McCarthy is going to stick with Eddie Lacy? So there's just so few guys that don't have problems. C.J. Anderson got hurt last year. They drafted a running back. Uh, the Broncos drafted a running back this year. All these guys have problems. Jamal Charles is coming off his second ACL. He's 30 years old in August. I mean, I don't know how we can feel comfortable with almost any of these guys. Now, some of them are going to pop and be worth it. But it's really hard to take one of those guys over Brandon Cooks, who we know Brandon Cooks, if he's healthy, he's going to get 135 targets, and he's going to be those targets are going to be high-quality Drew Brees in the dome targets, and that's his floor if he's healthy. He may get 160 targets. Yeah, I just I totally agree, but I, I just think if you're going to take the few guys, you know they're going to get all the all the touches like Peterson, Elliott, uh, Gurley, and they're slipping into the you know seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth picks. Uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna buck my usual trend and, and maybe take take those, especially if you can get two of them in some leagues, which has been the, it's been the case that I've seen early on, 12 to 14 uh, team leagues. So that's kind of what I'm looking for, which is unusual for me. It's a little bit different, um, but um, that's kind of how I see it. But uh, let's talk about, you know, uh, otherwise, you know, uh, the other positions, I'm st- I mean, I'm still waiting on a quarterback. I'm still waiting on a t- tight end if I'm not taking Gronk. That calculus doesn't seem to have changed this year at all, Right. Yeah, I'm not going to have Gronk anywhere, I don't think. I mean, there's this one format we're doing, the FP, 
CC or whatever it is um, that Jeff and I are co-drafting, and you get one and a half points per tight end reception, and then all of a sudden Gronk and tight end start to. Although I told them punt tight end because everyone's going to be drafting them, and don't worry about it. Just they're t- too unreliable. They're like catchers. You know, you think, oh, I'm going to pay up for Devin Mesoraco this year or some mid-level catcher who might have value. Just forget it, okay? And the problem with Gronk is it's PPR and it's the first round. You know how many catches Gronk had last year off the top of your head? Seventy. Yeah, seventy-two catches. I mean, sorry, man, that's not cutting it in first round PPR. Yeah, the problem I have is he's got the injury risk, and then you're just behind at every position. I mean, I know you have a big lead in tight end, and that's great, but you know, then you're just behind the eight ball at every other position. You've, you've made a big choice if you're taking him in the first round. He and better pan out. No Brady for four weeks. Yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, it's, I'm, it's just, I'm not con- even considering him in the first round, unless it's a twenty-team league and I'm a pick twenty. Then, then I'll take. Well, We'll go through some of the tight ends here in a minute, but yeah, it's sort of like him or just I'm just going to wait forever. And there's yeah. some guys that I like. Oh, I the, think Jordan Reed later. in the third so, round is a better value than Gronk in the first, personally. Well, I, I don't know about that, but we'll talk about that later. But and then quarterback as deep as ever. Uh, you know, usually there's like you know somebody that pops into the first round or the second round. Somebody goes a little bit crazy, but I haven't even really seen that with Cam Newton this year. So it just seems like you know another just wait on the quarterback. Lots of guys late that I like this year. The QB um, is like the running back position. It's gotten lower at the top. I mean, Cam had a huge year last year, but no, you know, he had the easiest schedule, and now he's got the toughest schedule, and that's definitely going to change. Um, and so there's nobody who stands out at the top, right? There's a lot of good quarterbacks at the top, but nobody is like Peyton Manning 2013, right? And nobody is like Tom Brady 2007. There's nobody projected to be so far ahead of everybody else. And there's a lot of guys projected to be good. So it's the ultimate weight on quarterback year. Now, there, it may turn out that, you know, there starts to be some separation somewhere and we made a mistake to do this. But in terms of people's projected stats, it's very bunched in. Like one through even 15 are not that far apart. So it's crazy not to wait on QB. And, and I think you've got to look at like fifth round before you start taking the elite QBs. I mean, at some point you've got to take one, right? I mean, if it's, if, if it's the sixth round and nobody's taking a QB – Maybe you take the plunge, right? I mean, you, you don't want to be the guy who takes the QB, but there's got to be a point at which you do. Yeah, but, you know, in the Vegas, in one of our Vegas leagues, which is a 14-team league, three start three wide receivers and flex. You know, I, I waited forever. And, you know, I'm thinking like 11th round, 12th round. I still got Matt Ryan, and I'm not a Matt Ryan fan, but I'll, I'll you know, I survive, I'll survive, <laughs> you know? So I think you can just wait forever this year. Well, you can, but I'm saying what point, if nobody takes a QB, do you take the plunge on your top QB? What well, round? Right, exactly. I mean, there were other people in that league that took QBs earlier, obviously. I mean, if, if, if uh, you know, if Andrew Luck was sitting there like the sixth or seventh round, I mean, it's obviously like a no-brainer. I mean, maybe even before that, but... Uh, right, that's what I'm I saying. Think- at what point, if nobody's taking a QB... Do you take the first QB? Like, at what point? I mean, you don't know what's coming back to you, but at what point do you take Newton or Luck or whoever you like as the best QB? Right, but it's extremely rare that, it, that, the, that, that they're going to be available at a position where I'd like it. It's, so, I don't, you know, I usually don't ever have to even think about it because those guys have gone off in the, you know, second, third, fourth round. And I'm I, I bet there's going to be some expert leagues where it's a game of chicken and it's fifth round, like late fifth, someone's going to take Newton. Right, but our audience for this podcast podcast isn't uh, probably not in those leagues, so you know they they can probably you know probably punt at least, and and, and most leagues that we're in too, you know, there's going to be somebody that takes those guys early. Which QBs um, are you looking at? Like, do you have any targets, or you just don't even care? 
I generally don't care, but I think that uh, if I have targets, it'd be like Winston, Jameis Winston, um, you know, really good rookie year. He's going to throw a lot on that team. Uh, Mariota, Marcus Mariota, because, you know, the running ability, they could improve a lot the second year. Um, you know, those guys are, I, I want to have one of those, but you know, there's plenty of guys at the bottom, like Andy Dalton, Tony Romo. And like I said, even Matt Ryan, I mean, I'm not, you know, in love with any of those guys, but you know, Matt Ryan will have a zillion attempts and, um, you know, Romo, you know, that offense should be really good. You know, if he's back and he's healthy, obviously there's injury risk, but you know, every year I go into that league and I'm like the last guy taking a quarterback and I got mocked lots of the years, but somebody, you know, there's always quarterbacks available on the waiver wire and you can mix and match and trade. And it just seems like I'm always able to get by and my quarterback's never my star, you know, star player. I get a lot of production, but you know, the meanwhile, I've gotten good players at every other position. Yeah. I like a lot of those guys too. I like Mariota and Winston. I also like Eli a lot. I don't like Romo at all. I just don't think Romo is going to throw the ball more than 470 times this year. And he's efficient, but, man, it's hard to make a living with no rushing ability anymore and 470 attempts. I, I think Dallas is going to be among the uh, last in the league in passing attempts. I could see that, but I could also see him having a monster year in terms of efficiency because, you know, how much they're going to have to potentially, you know, guard against the run. So, um, all right, well, let's dive into the rankings. I mean, we've kind of, you know, gone over the map here, but let's just let's just dive in and talk about who you have for your top your top 12 um, we're doing this with uh, as a PPR, uh, one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, tight end, kicker, flex, five reserves. That's kind of our setup. And you've got a guy we haven't even talked about yet. Uh, Antonio Brown is our number one guy. Odell Beckham, Julio Jones. That's kind of your big three wide receivers and your big three overall right now for pretty much most formats, right? Yeah, it's kind of Captain Obvious, you know. In a PP, I mean, this is also PPR, and I mean. Julio and Antonio Brown caught 136 balls each. That tied for the second most in NFL history. And in a PPR, it's just very hard to uh, compete against that for a running back or another position. And then Beckham, um, we'll see if Ben McAdoo really targets him more. I mean, Beckham was a 150-target guy, 160-target guy. Julio and, and Antonio Brown were around 200. So if they were to target Beckham at that level, they probably won't. But if they were, I think he'd be number one. Even at 160, I think he's a little more explosive than, than Antonio Brown. And uh, for whatever reason, it, Julio Jones is allergic to the end zone. So um, I think those three are, are sort of the no-brainers. And then you know, then I think the choice starts at number four. And number four, you have Todd Gurley, who we think is the, you know, the best running back out there. Um, obviously a great finish to the year last year. The big question is, you know, if, if he's got a rookie quarterback, are they going to gang up on him? Is he going to get passes? But you don't seem too worried about any of that. Well, I mean, I don't think it's good that his team is bad, but he only played 13 games last year, and I'm not sure how many snaps he got in the first game when he was kind of easing back from the knee issue. And he got 10 touchdowns and 1,106 yards, and he had 21 catches and 4.8 yards per carry. It's not going to be worse than the Nick Foles version of the Rams last year, right? I mean, it can't, be pos- it can't possibly be worse. So. If he just if you prorate those stats over 16 games, you know he's got basically 1,400 yards and you know 12 touchdowns um, and 26 catches, 28 catches, and that was just his rookie learning the system coming in mid, you know coming in sort of not off an injury, not really participating in training camp. So he's going to be the 280 carry, you know at least Peterson level 30 catch, 35 catch running back, and um, and he has as much talent as anybody. So I. 
And, he, and remember, he's only 20 years old last year. He's 21 now. So I, I think Gurley is, is by far the safest running back on the board. So I think after this, that, then I think the first round starts to get really, really kind of, uh, you know, I don't want to say dicey, but, you know, there's not, there's not much of a consensus, I would think. I mean, even among the Rotowire people, and it's certainly the industry at large and ADP. Number five, you have DeAndre Hopkins, um, who I'm not really, I mean, I'm not really that excited about. I mean, not that he's not a good talent, but I just feel like he's got a ton of volume last year. I don't know if that's repeatable. He's on a team that, you know, ideally is going to run the ball. Um, and, and also he was good in the games where they were bad. And if they're any good, then, then optimally he's not going to get the ball. There's just lots of reasons to think that you're buying, you're buying him at his peak. If you're buy, if you're drafting a number five. Yeah. I don't love Hopkins either. He's ranked high just on volume. Just like you said. Um, I, I think that, I think I might've bumped him up. I can't remember. Um, but, uh, JJ Waka hurt and he's kind of iffy for the start of the season. He may even miss several games. And if that happens, we're going to see the version of the Texans, I think, that we saw in the first half last year where they went 2-6 and six and had to throw a lot. And that's when Hopkins was a monster. In fact, had you d- doubled Hopkins' first half last year, he would have been you know, right up there with Antonio Brown and uh, Julio Jones as the number one receiver. He tailed off in the second half. He was still good, but he tailed off because they, just, they played the game they wanted to play. They had a winning record. They ran the ball, everything you said. So... You know, I, I I think we may see the more like the first half team for a while at least. I mean, Watt had back surgery. Yeah, it's definitely definitely a possibility. And then you have number six, you have David Johnson. We touched on him before. Uh, you know, I, I like I said, like I've, I think I've told I think I told this told you this earlier. I mean, I I love I would love him if he was like a third, fourth, fifth round pick. I loved him last year as a sleeper. I love him as a player. But at number six, you know, you want money in the bank. And, and you know, I'm just not sure that he's – he, you know, everything he did was in one half of a season for the most part. He's got backups behind him while they're old and crotchety. The coach likes him. Uh, you know, there's kind of like talk about him not being the every-down guy. Boy, that just makes me worried about taking him number six overall. He's almost like a receiver. Like, you know he's going to make his big plays, and he may have a monster year. But you may get into a situation where you don't know, like game to game, what you're getting. And that's bad with a running back. We have one. He's kind of like the running back that's like a receiver because you can't just count on him every week necessarily. You might be able to, but it may be a workload issue. And then the one receiver that's like a running back is Des Bryant. You can't really know how healthy he is or who he is yet. I mean, it's like some positions kind of flop. I mean, usually the receivers you can count on over the course of the year because they're reliable, and the running backs you can count on week to week. But but these guys are kind of in role reversal. I think David Johnson. Um, might be the top player in the entire league. I mean, I think if you want to win your league, he's the kind of guy you draft and he goes off, especially if you get him at 9, 10, 11, because he slips. But he could also really lose you the league. And uh, I actually do think his floor is okay. I mean, I think even if Chris Johnson gets a lot of early down carries, there's no way David Johnson's not going to get 180 carries for nine, you know, 800 right. yards he, or whatever. He, and like some, he could be like Marshall Falk or something like that. You know, that's his upside, right? I mean, it's, it's to be right. like that's a right. dynamic offense where he's getting the ball on the ground in the air and touchdowns, which doesn't happen anymore. So maybe this time next year, we'll be talking about him as the cons- you know, the consensus right. number one, yep. and we're back to the good old days of the of the top running back. And then number seven, you have a guy, uh, Devonta Freeman, who uh, I wrote a blog post about on oh, Rotowire. Wait, 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 just, just realize what these rankings be. Oh. This is the formula that sorts them by different positions. I would not draft exactly like this. Like, I would have... Okay. A.J. Green ahead of David Johnson and Devonta Freeman. The, the formula puts running backs in this particular format that it's doing a little bit higher. But so it's just how it shows up. I would actually take Green over these guys. I might take 
um, Brandon Cooks over some of these guys, Allen Robinson for sure. So that's just just a caveat there. All right. Well, we, we plugged it into the formula. So this is what people are looking at Rotowire. So we got to we'll, we'll try to explain it. But obviously, look, any ranking system, and we're talking through them, is arbitrary. There's not that much difference Draft between you know position, a lot of these guys. Print out a buy position cheat sheet. Okay. The one. Well, and I'll, and also you know we have you know we have Beckham two and Jones three. I mean it's you know it's not like we're gonna criticize you if you take one over the other or you know I mean you know we're we're splitting hairs when you get down to you no, know no, but, a couple but of these I, things. I am a receiver heavy advocate now even in this sort of so i would i would be pushing these guys up the greens and the cooks and all these guys and, and alan robinson over freeman and david johnson uh you know so that's just all right that so category. let's just round out the rest of this top 12 then you have freeman you have robinson lamar miller aj green who you mentioned Le'Veon bell a lot of wild card there with with his with his suspension cooks Evans, with his possible suspension there's Elliot. word that there's there's the chance that it gets reversed or you know there's some sort of issue with the guy who did the drug testing not getting back to him in a timely manner there may be some legal loophole the way ryan braun got a, his suspension that one year so just i only kind of half deducted Le'Veon bell and we don't know yet yeah i mean i mean we, most people may know by the time they do their drafts in mid right. to late august or you know first week of september so that hopefully hopefully will resolve itself but right now you're you know there's a lot of uncertainty you could lose four games um which may not matter you know too much if you get a good backup or you handcuff them but who knows um but all right let's just talk about the running back since we were going through there we talked about Gurley, david johnson and then your third overall running back devonta freeman is the guy that i talked about last year who you know by some measures is getting dissed he's he's the number one fantasy point scorer last year in non p even in non ppr and he's going he's going incredibly low he's going 17th overall if you look at non-PPR sort of standard scoring uh, based on our friends at My Fantasy League who also do the MFL 10s, highly recommend you go do them. Great way to practice in the preseason. Uh, he's going 18th in the uh, National Fantasy Football Championship, which is PPR, starts three wide receivers. I mean, it's kind of wide receiver crazy league. Um, and then in the Stopa League, he was the sixth most expensive uh, auction, and that's a bunch of experts from Rotowired Yahoo. That was half PPR I mean, also, though. He, he doesn't do PPR. as well in PP in, in half or especially non-PPR. He's going to catch a lot of balls. So right, right. He has but even so, of- I mean, even so, if, if you look at last year's stats and where he's going last, last you know, this year, I mean, that's just a big discount, especially for someone who, you know, it's not a new offense. He didn't get traded. There's no injury risk. I mean, yes, he has a, back, a viable backup, but you know, if I look through, the, Does through he history, have a viable about, backup. I mean, who is Tevin Coleman, a third-round pick that got hurt and fumbled a lot last year? I mean, does he? He showed have a spark. A, he showed a spark, though. I mean, it wasn't like he Tevin was. Tevin Coleman dud. showed a spark. Yeah. What Especially spark the, did mean, he show he had, last year? He had a couple good games, right? I mean, you know, he, he and you know, and in college, uh, he put up some impressive numbers in the He's Big Ten for a bad pick. team. College, everybody's good at college. Who's in the pros? Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. And I, if I go back and I look at the, you know, who the, you know, the fa- big, the number one fantasy points producer at running back was each year, and then look where they went the next year. A lot of those guys had viable backups and questions and all that kind of stuff, and they didn't get this kind of a discount. So I'm just, I'm not saying it's not necessarily justified, but the more I look at, it, the more I think, you know, this guy was really good last year, and he's going at a big discount. Everyone assumes that he's just not going to be as good as next year, and. There's just not a there's not a, a compelling reason to assume that I think. Yeah, people are uh, worried that he dropped off in his yards per carry in the second half last year. But remember, not only did he crush all the running backs by a huge margin, he did it in 15 games. He didn't even play 16 games, and he didn't even get that many snaps. He only got 22 snaps combined in the first two weeks. 
And, you know, sorry, that's wrong. I, I, I was looking at his attempts. He only got 22 carries combined in the first two weeks. So, yeah, he only started 13 games. He, you know, two games he played and he didn't start. Right. So. so he didn't start in two games, and he missed a game with injuries, and he still crushed by like 50 points the second highest running back. And as you said, the situation is exactly the same as last year, and yet he's being discounted. I think he's the best. I think he's a lock, if healthy, for 250 and 60 catches. Well, let's just be conservative. Say 50 and, two, and 250 is a lock. And that's what you want out of your back, your early round back. Just give me my 250 and 50. That's all I want, right? Just give me that, and it'll pay, it'll, it'll pay for itself. And people aren't drafting him that way. There was a quote today uh, from his coach saying uh, that both uh, Coleman and Freeman will be used in unison, was the quote, uh, but that he but that that doesn't mean he doesn't feel that Freeman is an every down back that he said Freeman's a guy who can handle the full load. And then all these guys like Brad Evans and Marcus Grant, who works for NFL were like, I told you, like, I see, see that it's going to be a timeshare. And I'm thinking, no, that's the opposite. He's just saying both guys are going to play. You always say that about your backup at that coach speak where you say something nice about both players. Of course, you're going to do that. But he also made sure to say that Freeman can handle every down work that he can handle a full load. To me, that was a positive to me. That's saying, He's the starter. Coleman's going to play. If he, you know, obviously it's subject to how they play. If Coleman crushes it, of course he could take over the job. But to me, the default is it's Freeman's job, and Coleman is a standard backup. Yeah, so I think he's a big value. I think I'm going to have him on a bunch of my teams unless suddenly the the wisdom of the crowds changes, which I don't think it is, especially when they have a different interpretation of that news than you. Uh, the rest of the running backs: Lamar Miller. Um, you talked about him a little bit. Le'Veon Bell. You know, that'll probably be in flux based on the potential suspension. Then you have Ezekiel Elliott at number six overall. There are guys, I mean, Mario Puig, who, you know, obviously does a lot of our college and um, and NFL scouting. I mean, he, he has him as like his number one running back. And I think that there's going to be somebody in your league who takes him, you know, one, two or three in almost every league you're in. W- you know, why not have him that high? Well, uh, you know, Mario, let's just note, is a Cowboys fan as well. Um <laughs> I, I, I'm not saying that's affecting his uh, his ranking, but he's probably uh, excited about him and knows a lot about what's going on there. I just um, – he could be great. I mean, I had him right behind Freeman ahead of Lamar Miller earlier, but this uh, accusation of domestic violence is obviously – you know, we'll see what happens. The fact that his dad came out and said he's a good guy and unnamed officials from the Cowboys were defending him, that means nothing. Of course they're going to say he's a saint. We'll see what the evidence says one way or the other. But it's certainly not a good thing that – this is, it's possible something goes down. And you know the NFL, uh, after the horrible Ray Rice debacle, is going to um, – they're not going to handle this gently if, if something did happen there. Um, and so I just think that's a big question mark. But if, if he is green-lighted and this is just a total nothing, um, then I, don't, I wouldn't argue that much if you put him you know, up there with, you know, right behind Todd Gurley or even ahead because he's got a great offensive line and – he may get a huge workload. I, I think they're, you know, I don't know. I think I was telling Jeff this. I don't know what you think of this argument, but the Cowboys offensive line is so good. You know, maybe Alfred Morris is getting 4.8 yards per carry for them. And they just kind of split it up a little bit because there's no reason to run him into the ground because anybody can do well behind the Cowboys line. It's almost well, like the true, line but... is too good. So <laughs> there's no. Yeah, but, but if you have a great, if you have a great talent behind a great line, then you, you know, then you have a monster. Uh, team, whereas if you put you know an, an uh, age old McFadden and he gets a thousand yards last year, it's okay. <laughs> I don't know. I think if you if you had McFadden last year and you had a credible QB and Des Bryant were healthy, the offense might have been 
perfectly good enough. Like it, it may, you know, sometimes in terms of chewing clock, you know, I mean, it's fine to get four and a half yards a carry, 4.8 yards per carry. You don't necessarily need 5.4 yards per carry. You know, it's first, there's a finite distance that you got to go, which is 10 yards and it's diminishing returns at a certain point. Um, and, and I think that they may want to just keep him fresh. You know, if they're a playoff team, they may want to say, we don't want to overwork this guy. Or they want to, you know, they're going to expect to have him for the next five, six years. I don't know. I'm not saying this will happen, but, you know, they signed Alfred Morris. McFadden's hurt right now. I, I think, you know, maybe, you know, when you have like a, uh, a team where the running back is doing everything and he's the only guy they got, you know, like Peterson on the Vikings those years, you know, it's like he's the only guy. But perhaps the line is really good and, and they split it up a little. I don't know. And then, of course, there's this domestic violence, not charge even, but just accusation. So I, I wouldn't, assuming that goes away, if you want to put Ezekiel at first, I mean, we don't really know with these running backs. I, I wouldn't argue with you that much. Yeah, then you've got Jabal Charles, C.J. Anderson, Adrian Peterson, Eddie Lacy. Uh, that rounds out your top ten. Uh, Adrian Peterson, now I'm a Vikings fan. I don't usually take Peterson a lot in leagues, but I just think this year he's being – Again, kind of like Freeman being heavily discounted and too much because what has changed with him other than he's a year older? Obviously, he's in his 30s. Every year, you know, that matters a lot, but he's the same guy. Every year he plays, he gets 10 touchdowns, 1,200 yards. You know, I mean, it's just money in the bank. I don't know, understand. And yeah, he's not going to catch any more passes. So in PPR formats, you know, every year they talk about we're going to get him the ball more, but it never happens, but that's fine. Um, but I just don't know what what's changed. You know, may, maybe peg him a little bit, but I still see him as a top top three to top five running back. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he is another year young, uh, another year older, and just because he hasn't busted yet, you know, except for the year he was suspended uh, and the one year he got hurt, um, it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It's definitely going to happen if he keeps playing until his body breaks down. He's going to one of these years, and it's going to be in the next three years. He's going to be a bust, right? There's a 100% chance that by the time he's 35, if he just tries to keep going, not 100 because he's a freak, but there's like a 97% <laughs> chance. That by the I know, time but he's, he's not 30, 35. He's not 35. But there's he's 31. But so. you agree that there's like a 99% chance that if he just were to play every year, show up just like this until he's 35, there's a 99% chance that one of those years he would fall off a cliff. Do you agree? Uh, yeah. But I mean, okay, you know, so what about I, but I, 34? What are the, what's the chance that if he does this every year, th- you know, to his year where he comes in at 34, that one that one of those years he's going to fall off the cliff? What are the odds then? 80%? I mean, 85? Yeah, probably. Yeah. 87? Okay, how about till he's 33? What are the odds then that, that he has a huge fall off? I 70? Mean, you know, 65? Okay. Every year, so, the thing about it is there's just no other signs. It's not like there's injury concerns or – you know, his, his yards per carry was down dramatically from his career average or, um, you know, the, just the offense is, you know, tremendously different. That it's nice when you get a warning. It's really nice when you get a, a, a nice warning that says this player is slowly declining. Be, be wary. Um, you don't always get a warning. Yeah, that, I, I mean, I agree. But usually, you know, usually we, we've seen some cracks in the armor with other, with other players over the year before they fell off. I just don't see anything with him other than just, you know, one year of age, which matters, you know, but I don't know that. I, so I'm have, I've, I've got him on a lot of rosters already. I, I envision myself drafting him a lot. I think I'll, I'll take that chance. Um, let me, but those are our top 10 running backs. Let's just shift more into the mode of like, okay, so now you took all your wide receivers early, as, as you said, you're going to do for your strategy. Who are kind of like the, 
middle middle tier, and I say that really loosely, running backs you're kind of you know eyeing if if you started out with a couple wide receivers. Yeah, I'm warming up to Thomas Rawls in like the fourth. Um, I I think that I had him a lot lower initially um, because it you know looked like the ankle might be a problem, but it looks like he's going to be ready for the start of training camp, and that's good news. And he was really good when he was healthy last year, and it's a very good place to be in Seattle. So. That's one guy I may end up with. Gio Bernard is another one. I think Gio Bernard is better than Jeremy Hill. He was hurt that one year that Hill broke out. Um, but last year he was the better back, and Hill basically fumbled away their um, title hopes. Uh, DeMarco Murray is another one I think has been unduly discounted. I think that he's a three-down back that they paid a good deal of money for. And just because they drafted Derrick Henry in round two doesn't mean they're going to ditch DeMarco Murray. So long as Murray's healthy, I think that's a guy in an improving offense that's going too cheap. Um, Ryan Matthews, I kind of like. He gets hurt a lot, but he's a good back and should get a lot of work. Um, if we go a little bit deeper, I like Arian Foster. Um, I think he's good for – you don't know how many games he's good for, but if he plays seven games, uh, I think he can get, you know, four catches a game and, you know, and, and get a lot of a heavy workload. Charles Sims in PPRs, I think people are overlooking. I think he's, you can use him in a pinch anyway, and if uh, Doug Martin goes down, Charles, Smith, Charles Sims would be a monster. I shouldn't say Charles Smith. Charles Smith is the guy that had three chances to score a bucket against the Bulls and uh, couldn't do it, <laughs> and the Knicks got bounced from the playoffs as a result. Um, those are the guys I'm really sort of targeting. I mean, later on, Javoris Allen could be the guy in Baltimore. Um, you know, other, there's deep sleeper guys. You know, uh, Paul Perkins of the Giants could, you know, win the backup job, and Rashad Jennings gets hurt. But, you know, the, the guys I mentioned are the guys I'm going to have as projected starters for my team. Yeah, I have a lot of rookies and, and guys that are just have a shot in an offense, like Wendell Smallwood, I mean, or um, Josh Ferguson in Indiana, um, you know, because I'm just, you know, have a lot, a lot of tickets, you know, later on. I did that in, in the first couple of drafts I had where you just kind of look for anybody that if they have opportunity uh, could come along. And those are those are a couple of names that, that stuck out for me. Um, all right, let's switch over to the wide receivers. We kind of touched on a lot of them. You have Brown, Beckham, Jones. We talked about that. Hopkins. Then you have Allen Robinson, and I think that's – I mean, that seems like a guy that I've seen you taken in several drafts early on, and you think he's going to be a star. Yeah, I actually have him ahead of uh, – in, in non-PPR, I have him ahead of DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I just think Hopkins has insured so much volume. I, Allen Robinson is like peak Des Bryant. I mean, he's big. He's fast. He's a red zone guy. He's a downfield guy. He just does everything you want a receiver to do. The only thing negative is that – you know, they brought in Chris Ivory, so they may run a little more at the goal line. They were terrible there, and they didn't try very much after they struggled early on. And, you know, Alan Hearns gets some passes and Julius Thomas. But Al Robinson is a receiver at the peak of his powers in year three with a young quarterback that's willing to sling it. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's the kind of guy you want on your team. You know, it's not a guy in decline. It's not, you know, like Calvin Johnson last year was an aging receiver. And Alan Robinson is right where you – it's right in the sweet spot where he's already broken out, but he hasn't started declining. Then you've got uh, A.J. Green, always reliable. Brandon Cooks, we talked about before. Mike Evans, Des Bryant, T.Y. Hilton, Demarius Thomas, Keenan Allen's your top 12. Uh, Middle-tier running but you know, wide receivers. I mean, who, you know, who's similar to the running backs? Uh, if you're starting wide receiver, you know, running backs early or just trying to snag guys in the middle rounds, who, who are guys that you're eyeing? Yeah, I mean, I like Dante Moncrief a lot. I mean, that's not middle rounds. He's going late three, early four. But you know. I think- I just I, I'm super high on him too, just because I think the Colts are going to be on sale this year. Last year, 
you know, luck was hurt. Their stats were terrible. They're going to throw the ball a zillion times. They have a bad offense. And I think Moncrief's going to be great as number two. But I haven't been able to get him in any any league. I, for whatever you're reason. Alone. You're not alone. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's... So I think his price might just be a little bit too high. I might regret that, though. Uh, I mean, in the third round, I think you can find someone comparably decent to to make up for it. But um, I like I like Hilton and him. I think Hilton's floor is so high. I think uh, Moncrief's floor is a little lower, but his ceiling is really high because he could be the red zone guy. Um, and I even like Philip Dorsett there. But you know, the, the middle round, those receivers at that level, I like Devontae Parker. I just think um, you know, in Gase's offense, if he can kind of fix what's wrong in Miami, Parker is the you know he actually had a, a big uh, showing down the stretch, and he's the prototype NFL number one size speed guy. It's easy to see him having a monster year two breakout. Um, other guys I like, I like Tyler Lockett year two. Receivers break out in year two. That's the year that they learn what's going on. And if they're going to be great, they usually end up great then. And what if Seattle opens it up like they did last year all year? They did in the second half and it was great for them. Uh, I like Kevin White in year two, even though he barely had a year one. I don't think he actually played last year, but he's going to be in a thin receiving tree and get uh, plenty of targets. Uh, and what if Alshon Jeffrey gets hurt again? So I like him a lot. Um, going a little bit further down, um, I like Doriel Green-Beckham. I don't know that he's even going to have a job, but if he does, he's such a freak physically. He's got a wingspan of like a NBA shot blocker uh, that he could score double-digit touchdowns, no problem. Of course, I'm going to have a soft spot for Josh Gordon, even though I don't really know how long, you know, what he's going to be when, when he comes back. But those are a few. Go ahead. At least we get to watch Gordon in the preseason. You know what I mean? He gets to play in the preseason, and we'll be able to evaluate him a little bit. Yeah, but you may have a draft you know, next week before any preseason exactly. games happen. Yeah. You'll just have some reports from you know, beat writers to, to go on. So, so those are a bunch of guys. I like Sterling Shepard, too, of the Giants. The reports have been good. I don't know that Victor Cruz is going to make it back to what he was, and Beckham's going to get all the coverage. They're going to throw a lot. I think Sterling Shepard, he's one of those guys that can just run every route. He's really polished and has a good chance to be good out of the gate as a rookie. I mean, one of the theories I have for this year is that the draft class of 2015 for wider service, wide receivers was really heralded. Like, these are all great physical guys, but they didn't really pan out last year. And so I think there's a lot of value to take those guys this year. So, like, Philip Dorsett, first-round pick, um, good offensive environment, has a lot of speed, kind of a bust last year. But, you know, now he's the third wide receiver. He's going to be on the field a lot. I think he's a. I think he's a great value. I'm bummed that you got him for one dollar in the uh, Stopa League when I was on Dollar Days and you beat me to him. Um, you know, I also like you know Devin Funches is like just your last pick of your draft in most formats because another guy that was great in college, and it's his second year, and there's lots of opportunity there for him. So, uh, you know, I'm trying to grab as many of those guys as I can. I like Funches. You got him in Sopa, and I thought that was a good buy. The reports have been good on him that he's really kind of come in focused, and a lot of times that's noise, but better than hearing the opposite. And I don't buy Kelvin Benjamin. Like, Kelvin Benjamin was mediocre as a rookie. He missed an entire year, and I don't think it's an obvious thing that he just walks in as the clear-cut number one target. I think he's going to have to fight for targets, and if Funches comes back you know, better and healthier, you know, maybe, he's, maybe he's the number one guy. So I, I think there's a, there's a real chance for a Funches breakout. All right, so let's switch to quarterbacks. You got Cam Newton as the number one quarterback, then Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck. Those are your top four. Probably going to be in that order in almost every league. Cam Newton is number one. I'm not going to own him in any league. Um, here's my thinking. I mean, last year, such a career year with touchdown passes. I mean, 35, his previous high was 24. The rushing TDs will probably always be there. But, I mean, how much can you really put in the bank that he's going to have, you know, 28-plus touchdowns again this year? Uh He's, he had he had 45 t- total touchdowns last year, and 10 of them were rushing. 
that's a he had a really all-time great year. I mean, for quarterbacks, he probably had a top ten ever fantasy year for QBs. Um, but the, the schedule got a lot worse. They're going to play the AFC West. They get Denver opening week, um, and they get um, or is it opening week? I don't know. Anyway, they, they play Denver, and they play um, obviously the Raiders D is a lot better than it was. They have a good pass rush. They play the Chiefs. So that's a lot harder than who they played last year. They played, I think, the NFC East last year and the AFC South, I want to say. This year they get the AFC West and I think the NFC West, Seattle and Arizona and the Rams um, included. And the Niners will be easy. But, you know, so basically two of their divisions that they played, you know, out of division are instead of the easiest, they're the hardest. And then they get, you know, two games against first place teams from last year. To round it out, besides their own division, their own division is pretty easy. But that's you know that's really eight to ten games that got a lot harder schedule wise. So I'm not going to take Cam either. Um, I think he'll be fine. I think as long as he doesn't get hurt, um, the floor is so high when you get the 500 rushing yards and five or six minimum rushing TDs. There's almost nothing you can do to be bad. But um, I'll, I won't have him this year. Yeah, I, I just think like last year. Each of the last two years, you could have had him as like your eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh quarterback, and this year he's like a clear number one. I just, you know, to me, it's like it's hard for me to to compute that because I just don't think he's changed that much. And last year was, a, I think, kind of a fluke, at least on the passing side. But I could be wrong. Anyway, New, then you have Newton, Rogers, Wilson, Luck, then Blake Bortles, Roethlisberger, Drew Brees, Kirk Cousins, Carlson Palmer, Jameis Winston, kind of your top ten. Um, I talked about the guys I was waiting on. I mean, if you're not taking any of the top quarterbacks, who, who are your guys that you're you're targeting? Because we're both waiting on the quarterback kind of guys. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but um, I love Winston and Mariota. I mean, those are one and two, picks one and two overall in the draft who had good rookie years. Who's going to be the next generation of stars in the NFL? It's those type of guys. It's the top pedigree guys who, in their first exposure, really passed the test, right? I mean, if you're going to say in five years who from the – you know, usually there's a couple guys from each draft class who's going to be the stars. It's going to be those two guys. So year two is when it probably starts, and – Winston scores a lot of rushing touchdowns. I don't know if that'll continue, but he'll at least get a, a handful, maybe two, three. And Mariota's got, you know, the rushing ability of, you know, maybe a, a Colin Kaepernick type. So he's going to get a huge amount of uh, rushing total. So he doesn't have to do that much passing. I'll say one note. I mean, when you do projections-based rankings, you know, Roethlisberger's maybe a little bit lower than I would have him. Uh, Breeze is actually more valuable than I have him because Breeze has got such huge and uh, – repeatable and, uh, and reliable home road splits. So if you, if you draft Drew Brees in a, in a deeper league, not a deeper league, a, a league with a, a deeper bench, you literally just start Drew Brees at home every week, and then you mix and match when he's on the road, and you will have almost guaranteed a top three quarterback. <laughs> yeah, interesting strategy. Um, I mean, Rodgers, I'm not going to take him as, for what he's going in in drafts, but in auctions, you know, I, I took him in the Stopa League. I forget exactly what I paid, but he's probably like the third or fourth highest quarterback, but I thought he was a decent value. It's a two-quarterback league, so having a quarterback matters a lot. I do feel like the Packers are a little bit on sale. Maybe that'll change with a good preseason. Um, what, do you, what do you think about that theory? Yeah, I, the, you know, Jordy Nelson is on the PUP list um, with his other knee having a problem. And when he went down last year, it was just a total disaster for them. Um, so I might even have to downgrade him a little bit. I mean, obviously, Jordy Nelson is expected still to be there for week one. But at 31, coming off an ACL, now he's got an issue with the other knee. Man, I'm a little nervous. Randall Cobb got exposed as that top guy last year. Maybe he was playing hurt too. But, you know, I, I, I almost think I should put him behind Russell Wilson and Andrew Luck. I think if push came to shove, I would take Wilson and Luck over Rodgers right now. 
Interesting. Well, obviously a couple of weeks to watch them the preseason or, you know, multiple weeks to see if, you know, they'll probably only make a couple appearances. You know, Nelson might not play, play at all, but um, we'll get a better read on things. Let's switch over to tight end. We talked about this a lot. We talked about Gronk, obviously clear number one. Uh, but then after that, you, you do like Jordan Reed. And my question is, I mean, the guy's you know, been super injury prone. I mean, to me, his year kind of seems kind of fluky. What's the case to make him third round pick or something like that in some formats um, I mean, that you Gronk talk about? was just as injury prone as Jordan Reed two years ago, right? I mean, we just – now he's had a couple of years, and now we forget that Gronk was super injury prone. Last year, Jordan Reed uh, missed a couple games midseason, actually weeks five and six, and then really didn't miss anything and was a monster. Do you know what he did from week seven on? He had three, five, six, eight, ten, eleven touchdowns. Um, from that point on and uh or maybe just 10 touchdowns because that one one of them is in a playoff game maybe um but the, you know he was a monster he was basically as good as gronk he was i actually think he was better than gronk after the first few games because gronk had a three touchdown game early and he's always had the talent i mean this guy's always been considered a, a top talent he's just been hurt a lot and then uh, they finally got a quarterback to develop so you know reed developed concurrently with kurt cousins and i think that's a really good sign it's not just some fluke thing where some mediocre quarterback and him just started connecting. This is the future of the Redskins. And you look at their receivers. Deshaun Jackson's just a deep threat. He's not going to be a huge target guy, not a red zone guy. Garcon is past his prime and not a huge red zone guy. Doxon's a rookie. They already said he's not even going to start in three receiver sets. So Jordan Reed is still the guy there. So really the only, the only issue with him is health. Uh, and he, you know, unlike Gronk, who had 72 receptions, Jordan Reed had 87 catches in 14 games. Gronk had 72 in 16 games. And, and Reed had 11 touchdowns. I, I think this is, you know, if healthy, I think Reed is right there with Gronk. And so I think I'd way rather have Reed and just gamble on his, on his health than Gronk. And, you're, you know, you're missing the QB for four games. And, of course, you're still gambling on his health. I then throughout the rankings, you have Greg Olson, Delaney Walker, Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, Darius Green, Kobe Fleener, Gary Bronridge, Jimmy Graham. You and I, okay, so we're not taking Gronk. Let's say you're not taking Reed. Then what are you doing? I mean, you're kind of waiting on tight end. Who are the guys you're eyeing, you know, late in the draft that you're just going to pay a minimal amount for an auction or, or wait forever on in a, in a draft? Whoever's cheapest. I, I, honestly, I'm, I don't know who's going to be good among these guys. I mean, I'll take Eric Ebron. I kind of like the opportunity there. They just signed Bolden, but they don't really have a great receiver there. So Ebron, who was an early first-round pick, year three. Tight ends are a little slow to develop. Year three is usually about when they start to break out. Uh, rarely as rookies do they do anything year or two. It's not as easy for them. They, they take a little more time. I wouldn't mind Gates. I think Gates can get a bunch of touchdowns. Um, and he's, I think, trying to break Gonz Tony Gonzalez's record, and he's not that far away. I think he's like eight or nine touchdowns away. Um, you know, Dwayne Allen, I, I think that he may end up as a, a real red zone target for uh, Andrew Luck now that Fleener's gone. Fleener in New Orleans is fine. Ladarius Green would be great. I don't know whoever's slipping. You know, I don't. I don't yeah. really have a huge preference. I, I, I love. I love Allen because, you know, he had 16 catches last year, but he's going to be the only game in town this year. And I think watched him play. I think he's. I think he's a good talent. But every again, just kind of like with Moncrief, every every league I've been in so far, he hasn't come cheap. You know, and I, and I want the cheap option at tight end. So, how about I'm, how about Tyler Eifert? I mean, he's he's hurt. You know, that's the problem. Know, but he was so good last year. And I know that touchdown production's fluky, but even so, it just cut him in half this year. I, I think he's a guy that when we're doing this, you know, a month from now, will end up being a, a you know, huge bargain in early drafts because if he's healthy at all, he'll shoot to the top five. Yeah, just let me tight ends. Uh, 
let me inform you. I, I took Michael Brantley everywhere in baseball because he was just going to miss a couple weeks, and it was going to be great. You know, I got him at a discount everywhere, and it was just a terrible, terrible thing. In baseball, in baseball, since the length of the season, yeah, I usually, you know, I usually advocate taking injured guys like that because you, you know, you'll get something. But football, you just, you just stay away, right? And it's, it's just, just Tianowski always says this. He always says, you know, when you're optimistic about the injuries, it's great. You know, oh, yeah, he'll be back, but. If he has a setback, what if it takes a little longer, and now you're just carrying this guy, then the bye weeks start coming, you're in a roster crunch. I'd have to get him so cheap to take him, you know, and I, I just – he's never he, – someone always takes him, and I'm like, really? You want to deal with that headache? I don't. Yeah, he just – he could be a guy that wins with a lot of people, a lot of leagues, but like a lot of variants. So that's a tight end. So let's just – we talked about a bunch of rookies. Um any other, I mean, it's kind of, you know, as far as rookies go, other than Elliott, obviously he's he's arguably a top five pick overall. Seems kind of like a weak class of rookies this year of, of impact players for year one. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, like what wide receivers or running backs other than him really jump out at you that are going to make a difference this year? Yeah, some of them will, but we don't know who because there's nobody in a really ideal situation. Sterling Shepard as a receiver is in a good situation. He's... You know, a polished guy who may end up starting right away. And the Giants, even if he doesn't start, they use a lot of three receiver sets. So that should be fine. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, Laquan Treadwell. Um, just they, they just don't pass much. I mean, that's, you know, that's the problem. He, he could be number two. and He could be number one, though, I think, right? Oh, yeah, because, he could be number one. Their wide receivers in Minnesota are totally, I mean, you know, Stephon Diggs did it for half a season. That's exactly what Charles Johnson did the year before. Right. Then he, you know, he got kicked to the curb. So, yeah, but, I mean, he could get all the receptions, and even then it might not be enough for, for most fantasy teams. I mean, there's a lot of running backs who are rookies who are in situations that are a little unsettled, like Kenneth Dixon in Baltimore, Paul Perkins, um, Procise in Seattle, Jawan, Jordan Howard into the Bears. But, and, I, and I'll have a lot of shares of those guys just because of the opportunity of the upside, but I don't know that any of those guys I'm super high on individually. Yeah, I mean, I, I was talking to Jeff about this on the XM show. I'm not a big college football guy, and I'm even wondering whether, let's say I knew all these guys in college, I was way on top of their scouting and who's good and who's this. I still think even if you knew all that, it would be just as so much of a crapshoot for these backup rookies who it's just situational even when they get the opportunity, you know, are there holes to run through? Can they pass protect, which is a very hard thing to predict from some of these guys. Some of these guys, they look good, and you're like, wow, get this guy in there. He had a couple carries. He's on my bench. And they're like, yeah, but his pass pro is terrible. So he can't play. He can't, he can't get in yeah. the game. Although I will say David Johnson was kind of a, you know, workout, you know, you know, in the, in the, all the combine stats and all that kind of stuff was kind of a wonder and it paid off if you were watching it. So there is some value, but generally I agree because yeah, opportunity is such a Andre huge Williams of the giants that he was this like, yeah. super athlete and the guy's total garbage. One of the worst players I've ever seen. So I hope the giants, I hope he doesn't make the team. So it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a crapshoot. I, I just think, you know, at the appropriate rounds, you, you stock up on a guy that, you know, is one injury away from an opportunity like a Paul Perkins and, and just hope for the best. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, generally speaking, I think it's kind of a, a weaker rookie class. If you had a rookie draft in your league and this is the year you had like the number two pick, you're, you'd be hating life because other than Elliot, there's, there's just not a superstar here. Um, yeah, last year you would have taken Melvin Gordon one and that would have been horrible. And then you would have, whoever had number two would have had Todd Gurley. So <laughs> yeah, although maybe somebody would have switched if they would have watched Gurley in college. He was, he was pretty amazing. Um, yeah, but otherwise it's pretty weak. Otherwise, um, you know, that's it for that. And then, you know, you know, I mean, other, otherwise, you know, sometimes we talk about defense IDP kicker on here, but you know, you and I, are, we're just, is there, is there anything reason to even spend much time, your preseason research on that at all, on that at all? You, you don't need to do research. I will say this. I think that 
the studies that say defense and kicker are unpredictable, I think those are probably true generally, but at the extremes, that might be false. I think if, you, know, you would never bet that the Browns kicker, and I don't even know who that is off the top of my head, is going to have more points than Guskowski, right? I mean, you would just never make that bet with me, right, even money. Even if I gave you like six to five, you wouldn't make that bet. So we do know a little bit, right? And I think at the extremes, um, you know, it's worth it. But I think once the top two or three defenses or the top two or three kickers are off, especially the top one kicker, maybe the top two, I don't know. I just think just get a guy with a job, you know, on a, yeah, on a, I just, on a non-terrible I, team. But I do think, you know, I, I think people, you want to sound really savvy and say, ah, forget about kickers, whatever. But let me ask you this, Pete. If you knew who the top kicker was in advance, let's say everybody knew, right? We were drafting off the year-end cheat sheet of kickers, not the preseason cheat sheet. At what point should you take the top kicker? I think it would be kind of early if you knew who it was. I think the issue oh, is yeah. it don't matter. But that, cer- that certainty matters a lot. I mean, the thing about for me for all these positions and even IDP, like in the stake league, our stake league format that we're in where the losers buy the winners' uh, stakes, um, you have to start three IDPs. Even then, I just you know I, I don't spend anything with the minimum because everything is so freely available on the waiver wire, yeah, which is just not players. at other positions. I mean, you 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 can always pick up a kicker in a defense, and and that just can't be under underrated. Whereas at other positions, you know, you can't. I mean, in many many leagues, you know, I've needed to pick up a quarterback, a wide receiver, you know, and quarterbacks deep. You know, there's usually quarterbacks like options. kicker, quarterback, kicker, defense. Oh, almost depends yeah. on the format. It's you can get almost like if you got two quarterbacks, or if you yeah. got you know, in a one QB leagues. twelve team league, QB is like oh, yeah. kicker almost exactly. But otherwise, it's just everything is freely available. And so, you know, the replacement value is just so easy that it's just hard to justify spending anything more than the minimum. At least that's always been my my take. Yeah. So, well, I mean, yeah, uh, the only question with kicker is do you get one in like the third to last round or second to last round and take the big leap to get the best one and then have to choose between fewer of the scrub upside guys at the end. And I'm not against that going a round or two early on kicker or defense than everybody else. Just one or two rounds when you're already in sort of scrubs. And just say, you know, for the top two guys, I think there's some predictive value. Beyond that, I think don't don't just get in a run. Let it go once it, once you miss the top two guys. Well, I'm I'm pretty dogmatic. I usually always just take those in my last two two picks, kicker and defense, in pretty much every format. But generally speaking, I mean, our overall advice is not to be dogmatic, pretty much, right? I mean, and also while we went through these rankings and gave them all to you. I really can't underestimate that, you know, do your own research, trust your own gut. That's always the best, you know, it's always the best because those are all, you know, for me, those are always the teams that are, that are my best teams. Yeah. It's also July 26th as we do this podcast. So, you know, on August 10th, my rankings will be different. Um, it's just more conceptual how to think about this stuff, right? I mean, it's going to change that the facts on the ground are going to change, but you know, in ter- terms of the structure of your roster and, you know how you, what you should be looking for in the thought process. I think that's what that's the biggest takeaway. Yeah, yeah, exactly, definitely. I just I always say people get locked into rankings and say, well, I had to take the guy because he was, yeah. you know, he was 16 spots above ADP. You know, I had to do that. It's like, no, you don't. ADP at the end of the year is meaningless. I mean, it's you know, it's going to be so, so off by so many factors that you know you, you should do what you want to do. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so. I think what you're saying is that guy with the gun outside your house that's making you take the guy at the highest ADP. We've sent him home. He's no longer there. Don't worry. <laughs> you can do what you want now. Don't worry. The ADP uh, enforcer is now uh, – he's, he's now been retired. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, definitely, you know, do your homework and make your own decisions. It's always works out the best. All right, well, that's it for this podcast. We're going to do this every couple of weeks. Uh, you know, like you said, the rankings will, will change. 
Um, but as you look for the season, we'll, let's you know have a shout out to our sponsor again, FanDuel.com. Go to FanDuel.com, click the microphone in the upper right-hand corner, uh, use our code RWPOD and sign up now. That's a special offer for new users. Get a free six-month Rotowire subscription. So that's all this draft kit stuff we just talked about. It's all customizable uh, with a $25 deposit. You must sign up with the promo code RWPOD. That's over $60 in value for just $25. Don't forget to use the code RWPOD. Um, FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's FanDuel.com. Sign up today. And again, rotowire.com, all the stuff available, uh, lots of blogs for me and lists, rankings, customizable. And we'll be back and do this podcast again soon. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R.